listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. This morning, we, we've been walking through the book of Mark. If you're visiting here, we were walking through this book together, one, one verse at a time. But Mark's one of the four stories that show us who Jesus is. So we're walking through this series, the gospel Mark, Jesus is. And Mark's kind of the, the short, snapshot, action-packed gospel. He's just like blitzing all the stories out with a lot of like expressive words. So that's what we're walking through. And we find ourselves in Mark chapter 4 this morning. And... Um, before I get into this, though, have you ever, okay, let, let me just ask you this. Have you ever been looking for something and you can't find it and it's right in front of you the whole time? You, you guys know what I'm talking about, the refrigerator. It's classic, right? You go, you go to the refrigerator, you're looking for the ketchup, and you're like, babe, where's the ketchup? And they're like, it's right there. And you're like, no, it's not. Yeah, it's right there. And like, you're insisting that it's not there. Like, you're digging around, and then your wife comes out or whatever, and it's right here. It's been right in the front shelf, right, right there in the middle. You didn't see that? No, you, you got a different brand than last time. I didn't. I didn't recognize it. It said Hunts instead of Heinz. I was confused. It threw me off. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, you, we've all been there where you just can't see it, and then somebody points it out, and you're like, "How did I miss that?" Like secretly, you're like, "Man, that was really dumb. That was bad. I, I need to go to the doctor." Like, Northeast eyes checking out my eyes tomorrow. It's a big deal. Um, so guys, we, that's typically a guy thing, but girls, you do, you do the same thing. And I'm not so sure it's, well, at least my wife does. Um, I can only speak from my personal experience where something is supposedly right there, but it's not right there. Like this is, this happens on a pretty regular basis at my house where well, my wife will be like, okay, she's like getting ready to go to bed or whatever. And she'll be like, Hey, can you go get my purse? And I'm like, where's that? She's like, right on my dresser. So I'm like getting out of bed and looking. It's not on your dresser. Yeah, it was right there. I know it was. It's not on your dresser. Oh, maybe I left it downstairs. I go downstairs. I'm looking around. I th- she's yelling, it's in the kitchen, I think. I look in the kitchen. It's not in the kitchen. Oh, maybe I left it out in the car. Really? Out in the car? Like, so I'm like, and I'm like outside, in the middle of the night, looking for a purse, you know. It was, it was right there. No, it wasn't. It was not right there. It was far away. And you knew that, I think. Um, sorry, that's my personal frustration that I know happens all the time. Um, but like, you, ever, you know what I'm saying? There's something that you just want, and it's right there, but you just can't seem to get it. It's just not quite, and for, it's there, but it's not there. You know what I'm saying? Well, we see that kind of in Mark chapter 4. Jared spoke last week. Um, the, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, he gives us this parable, the sower and the seed. And they come to him and say, Jesus, why, why, why do things that you say, why do you speak in parables? Doesn't, we quite don't understand what you're saying. And Jesus gives us his response. But then we also, we're going to walk into a continuation of his response in Mark chapter 4, verse 21. Let's look there if we can. He says this, and he said to them, Is a lamp brought, into, brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So here we have Jesus still responding to the idea of parables. Like, why do you speak in things that don't quite seem to make sense to everybody? 
Um, could you explain what you mean, Jesus? So that's what they're saying to him. And so he gives us this other story after he explains the parable of the sower. He gives us this other thing. And let's look at this uh, bit by bit here. See, he's responding to a message that seems to be a little unclear. So they want to know, verse 21, we'll look at this again. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. See, the point of light, let's, let's think about this for a second. This is, we're going Bill Nye science guy on this real, real quick. Let's, let's flash back. The point of light isn't to hide. The point of light is to reveal, correct? You can't take a light, turn it on, and then like, whoa, where'd the light go? It's hidden in the dark. No, it doesn't work that way. Jesus says the point of a light isn't to hide or to put away somewhere. It's to reveal things, correct? If you turn a light on, you'll see the walls. The things that were hidden are now exposed, not the other way around. The things that are exposed are all of a sudden now hidden. It doesn't work that way. See, he's not speaking, his parables he's saying here, I'm not speaking these things, these truths. I'm not speaking these truths about who I am or what the kingdom of heaven is like so that you're more confused. I'm speaking of these things so that things can be revealed. Something can be made known. It says manifest. Manifest actually means here in the physical and the present understanding and seeing. Jesus says, I don't speak these things to hide it from you. That's not my point. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm not trying to confuse you. If, then he says this in verse 20, 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. This can be a really strange thing because if, if you look at that phrase, it's repeated over and over by Jesus. And he had actually just said it before in the parable of the sower. So I, I, as I was looking through this, I'm thinking, why does he keep saying this? If anyone has ears, let him hear. If he has eyes to see, let him see. What is, what is this about? What is, what is he trying to communicate? Because here he's telling something that doesn't seem to quite make logical sense or trying to be a little, a little hidden. It's there, but it's not quite there. But then he says, if you have ears, hear this. Understand this. In Ezekiel, as we look back to the reference of where does this phrase come from, this is something that they, they've heard before. It's not a new phrase. It's not like Jesus is making up his cool Mark, Mark Ryder quote on the spot. If you have ears to hear, let them hear. That's not what he was doing. He's saying a, something that they've all heard before. In Ezekiel chapter 12, we have Judah, and there's, there's this prophetic symbolism that's being spoken to Judah, who's in rebellion from God. They've cut him off. They've decided, Israel's decided, I don't need him. And there's this prophetic thing in verse 12, uh, in chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see but does not see, and ears to hear but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. And then what you see throughout that chapter, you see the word in, the words in their sight repeated seven times in four verses. What this prophesy, prophecy is saying, that Son of man, you're in the midst of rebellion. You're in the midst of a rebellious people, and they don't see you, even though you're in their sight. This verse, this section provides hope that the people who are in rebellion would see him, that they would understand him. Does that make sense? It says you're in, he says this verse is saying you're in the middle of this, but yet they're not seeing you because of rebellion, because of hardness of, of the people of Judah. This is a prophecy that points to Christ. And Christ says, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. I'm right here in the midst. And some people still aren't getting this. 
it reflects back to Judah in exile. See, Jesus is the light that's right in our midst, but yet they're not seeing it. It's not being revealed. It's not that he's trying to hide something. It's that some people will not see the truth that's right there in front of them. It's right there in front, and you can't see it. We see the same story in Matthew chapter 13, um, one, the other gospel, one of the other gospels that has this. And I want to read this, verse 13 through 12, 12, chapter 13, verses 12 through 17. It says this in verse 12. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts have grown dull, and their eyes can barely see. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. I would heal them. But he says this in verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see, and hear what you hear and did not hear. See, he says, even in the prophecy of Isaiah, Right there in the midst, the truth is revealed, but because of a hardening of the hearts, a hardening of their position, they don't see the truth of Christ revealed. The truth that I'm, God's trying to speak to them, it's right there over and over and over again, but they won't see it. It's not that he's trying to hide it, but they just won't see it. I hope this is beginning to make sense for you a little bit this morning. See, I think sometimes that we can, we, there are people who will, God will be spoken to them the truth of God will be right there in their midst and they won't hear it. They won't receive it because of a hardening of the heart because they've turned themselves off from receiving. Jared even spoke about it this morning. If, if I look at myself, and I say, I'm making my own, my, myself my own savior. He can't come in and rescue us. Jesus is saying, I'm not trying to like hide from them, but I'm right there in front of them and they refuse to see my help. They refuse to see the truth that I'm bringing to them. A light has to be made manifest. It's not so that the light is hidden. Christ didn't come so that he hides from certain people. That's not the way it works. He came to manifest himself. The end of this, though, in Matthew, we see something really interesting. It says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. This morning, if, if, you've, if you look at these scriptures and you're like, you know what, these things make sense. Christ himself makes sense to me even though grace is something that can never really make sense, but yet it's something real in our hearts. Jesus says to them, blessed are your eyes for they see, blessed are your ears for they hear. Jesus is right there fulfilling what the prophets, the prophets didn't even get to see. They didn't get to see him. They spoke about him as a, for, a foreshadowing and told about him, but they never got to see him and be blessed by him. You and I, when we sit here today, We've been blessed because we have him revealed to us. We have him to see and to hear and to understand. He says, blessed are your eyes because they understand they see. This morning, my question as we look through this this scripture in, in Mark is, what do we do with our eyes and our ears now that we've seen and heard? What does that life look like? What, what does that person look like who's seen and heard? Clearly, it says that we're blessed. What does that blessing mean? See, we're blessed to have heard Christ. Christ has been put on center stage for us to hear. How do we respond? How do we respond to him being 
put right in front of us here this morning or here in our lives, whatever, or through scripture, how do we respond to that? In Mark chapter three, verse 24, it says this, pay attention to what you hear and to the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you for the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So here we have two people who Christ is center stage. Christ is revealing truth. And there's two people, the one who has, who has seen, and the one who has not, who hasn't seen. And I want to walk through these two things with you real quick, these two different categories of people, what, the, what their life looks like. Um, can, I, can I get a smile? I haven't told a joke in a while, and I see a few, a few tired faces. Last night was rough for some of you, I guess. Um, let's, let's walk through two different people. The first one who has. I like this. One of our books that we have in the back there is Tulian Chivijans, which is a difficult name to pronounce, let alone read. Um, the book's easy to read, but his name's difficult. So there you go. He says this in his book, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And I want to read this to you. The quantity of our promised blessing is so great that they're portrayed as a multiplication in words of prayer and greeting spoken to believers by various apostles. So he's saying the blessings that come are throughout Scripture are spoken over and over again to us. And, and he quotes some of them, okay? May grace and peace be multiplied in you. May grace and peace be multiplied in, to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And here's another one. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. These are all different quotes from the New Testament. This, he says this. Tullian says this. This experience of multiplied blessing is truly what God has designed for us. Are your eyes open to see it? And when you do see it, what are the impressions in your mind and heart and the impact on your life? Are you living your day increasingly as a grateful recipient of his multiplied everything? Or are you still a lingering poverty, almost a sense, a sense of spiritual cringing and cowering? What he's saying is, when, you, when, when the apostles pray to you, may God's grace, mercy, and peace be increased and multiplied in you. Do you see it and receive it and your life respond in grace, peace, and blessing or do you look at the scripture and you cringe and still live your life almost in a sense of spiritual poverty, a sense of spiritual cowering from God, not understanding the blessing that comes in Christ, the life change that comes in Christ? I hope that makes sense to somebody. But he's saying here this morning, when you see it, there's a multiplication here that happens. And we, we just read that made me multiplied in you. It will be measured to you and still more will be added. To the one that has, when they see Christ, the good things, the, the life that's in Christ are naturally multiplied in your heart, in your life, and in your, your, the things that you do. There's a multiplication of blessing. And I'm not talking about financial blessing. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel here this morning. What I am preaching to you is that there's real blessing in knowing and understanding Christ. There's joy in knowing Christ. And that should be multiplying over and over and over again to the one who sees his truth and his character revealed. I, um, Ephesians, Ephesians 5, let's look at another example here. Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. I want to read this and then we'll move on here. For, the, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. This verse says you once were, were in darkness, but now the light of Christ is in you. So you see the fruit. It says the fruit here is good, right, and true. 
walk that way. Expose darkness. Expose things that aren't good and true and right. You've seen him. Your eyes have been blessed. Now you respond it because now you're children of light. You were in darkness and now you're not. There's a contrast of that person who was once, it was right there in front of them and they didn't see it, but now they do see it. There's a contrast in that life. Last week, Jared preached on um, the soil and he talked about how there's the rocky ground, the hard ground that doesn't receive the word, which is Christ. And then there's the good ground. And Jesus says in this parable about that, that ground will spring up fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. In home groups this last week, in our, in our group, we talked about how in that culture, in Jesus' day, a good crop, like a, a one that would be worth money, was 10-fold. And Jesus looks at them and says, the good ground will receive 30-fold, 60-fold, uh, uh, 100-fold. What he's saying here isn't like, if you receive the word, if you receive who I am, then your life's going to be a good life. He's saying your life, the fruit that comes out of your life will blow people's minds. It is a huge crop to the one that sees and gets this. It's something that's supernatural, beyond normal. A hundredfold crop didn't exist. And Jesus says to the one who gets it, to the good ground that receives me, their life is fruitful and it multiplies and something good comes out of it. That's encouraging to us this morning. If you get Christ, if you understand, it should be encouraging because your life should be supernatural in the way that the fruit comes out. What does that look like? A supernatural increase. Fear that was normally there should be replaced by hope. Selfishness that should normally be inside your heart is now replaced with selflessness. Anger is replaced by peace and greed, replaced by generosity. These are things that naturally would be in the heart of our man, of who we are. But Christ in his supernatural increase has caused it to not be there anymore. And somehow now there's hope. Now there's joy. Now there's love. I want to use um, somebody in this room for an example. Will here. Um, he, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Will. So it's usually weird when somebody talks about you in a good way in front of you. Um, it's even worse when somebody talks about you in a bad way, not in front of you. But um, I don't do that, Will. Um, I want to I tell you a bit of the story that Will has shared with me um, about who he is and what Christ has done in him. Um, if I can do that, Will. Well, don't cry on me, Will, because then I'll cry. It'll be bad. So, no, Will's tough. <laughs> um, I've gotten to know Will over the last few years here with, through the church and through our home groups. And in home groups, he shared about how he used to, before he understood Christ, he grew up in an atheist house um, where his parents were like, whatever you want to believe is fine. Do whatever you want. And Will was kind of going through this journey where he, out of your words, you didn't like anybody. You hated everybody. Um, he just didn't like people. And he went through a, a gothic sort of years where he just dressed in black, was kind of doing his own thing. Like, I know, Will, gothic. That's kind of strange, right? He just went through these years with like, I don't know. And he created his own religion just because he thought, why not? But then when Will, when Will began to understand the gospel, when grace was presented to him, everything changed. Who he is has completely changed. Will, Will said to me, uh, he actually said it in one of our interviews. We did a video one time. He said, I used to hate people, but now I love people. That's a hundredfold increase. The man that used to hate people because he just didn't see them through the eyes of Christ, now he gets it and he sees them with eyes of love. If you don't know, Will just came back from three months in Africa. Will's goal in life, his drive, is to how do I take the goodness that God put in me and how do I share that with the world? 
Will next year will be going to Africa for a long time. And his job, his actual job, will be to go to people who have never even seen or heard the gospel in villages that communication, wells, like water wells, things like that don't exist. His job is to go into those places to create a society where, one, they have actual wells and resources, but his job is to focus on how do I get the goodness of God that transformed my life? How do I get it to them who have never heard or seen? That, to me, when I look at what does a hundredfold life look like, I see that's a hundredfold life. Somebody who hated people, now he's laying his life down for people. And there's fruit that comes out of it. I'm not saying everybody in here is called to be a missionary to Africa. What I am saying is in your own world, when Christ begins to take root in who you are, the thoughts that you used to have about people are no longer there. The thoughts that you used to have about yourself are no longer there. Now I have hope where I was, was living in fear. Now I'm free where I was living in bondage because Christ's work has taken root and exposed things and, cu- and multiplied in my life. So that's, that's the life that, that gets it. That's the life that has. It says it will be multiplied and it will be measured to you. The hope, the, the way you received it will be measured back into you and then multiplied. That's good news this morning. So we'll end with the bad news. No, I'm kidding. Kind of. The one who has not. At first glance, that can be a really strange um, verse. Because, well, let's, let's look at that real quick. It says, And for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That sounds really strange. If you look in Luke, Luke says this same verse a little bit differently. And um, theologians agree on this is the, the real way to actually translate that verse. Luke 18, or 8, verse 18 says this, Take care then how you hear, for the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. So the actual closer understanding of that verse in Mark is to what he seems to have or what he thinks he has. Not what he actually has and possesses, but the actual translation to them would have been what he thinks that he holds on to. What he thinks he gets will be taken away. Um, have you ever had like thought you had something and then you didn't, you realized you didn't have it like, or you thought you were getting something and you were kind of built up on this, like, oh, I can't wait to get that. And then it falls through Yeah, No. Okay. Let me tell you about a Christmas. Um, let me tell this is a true story. So I, I live what I'm preaching to you. So let me tell you my story. Ash and I have been married, um, for six years now and, um, our first Christmas together dating we had been dating for like three months, so it wasn't a very long time. And um, before that, I'm trying to think, what do I get for her for Christmas? Like, this is my first Christmas with a girlfriend. Like, what do I get her? I don't know. And um, I'm talking to my mom about it, and my mom's like, you need to get her something really nice. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll get her a pair of earrings or something. I don't know. Um, she's into scrapbooking. Maybe I'll get her. At that time, she had enough time to do scrapbooking. Kids take that away from her, apparently. Um, so all of our all of our life history is just thrown in a box. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I'm thinking, what do I get her? Some scrapbooking stuff? I don't know. What do you What do you get her for? It's the first Christmas. We're not married. It's not a big deal. They just get her something nice. I'm thinking maybe a hundred bucks. Mom's like, no, no. I'm like, why? She's like, I know what she got you. I'm like, you do? She's like, yeah. So she's like, it's pretty big. I'm like, it's like a hundred fifty dollars. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm like. 
seriously, mom? She's like, no, you got to do more than that. I'm like, 200, 300. No, no, no. Like, how many? How, how much did I spend? Like, we've only been dating three months. Like, I just said 300. That's 100 a month. That's a lot. And she's like, finally I got it out of her. It was around $500 that Ash had spent on me. I'm like, what could be $500 that she spent on me? We've been dating three months. Like, this is ridiculous. And uh, I'm thinking, and I'm going into Christmas, and I'm like, I know what it is. PlayStation 3. PlayStation 3 has to be. It's got to be a PlayStation 3. That's the only thing I wanted at that time. That could even be, I mean, she's got the PlayStation, and she got me a game, an extra controller, 500 bucks right there. That's it. So I'm like, the next two months, I'm like, I'm like going through stores trying to figure out all these little things that I can get her. I mean, I got her like scrapbooking, like kingdom is all set for her. She's ready to scrapbook forever. It's, it's in our attic right now, which is frustrating. But anyway, I got her this big, like, it's almost like a suitcase for scrapbooking stuff. Every, every accessory you can get. I'm spending all this money. I'm thinking this will pay off because Christmas day, I got a PlayStation three waiting for me. Like I was ready. So Christmas day comes and I go to her, uh, to her house, her family's house. I'm sitting there and, it's, and I give her the gift and she's like, wow, oh my goodness, you shouldn't have done this. It's a big deal. And um, so I'm thinking, okay, my turn. And I don't say this because we're just starting the day. I don't look greedy. That'd be bad. And I'm like, so I'm just being patient, right? So she gives me this box, okay? The box is about this big. I'm thinking there is no way on earth that is a PlayStation 3. There, it's not possible to fit that in there. I'm thinking maybe this is like a preliminary box. Like this is the game. This is the game and a controller. If that fits in there, maybe they came up with a new PlayStation that's smaller, a slimline PlayStation three. So I, I opened this box and in it is an invention I had never heard of. Um, it was in parts. So I had to assemble it. And what it did was a piece of plastic about the size of a cup holder with a little like plastic bendable arm. Okay, that went into the plastic accessory piece. And at the top of it, you connected the other thing, which was about a, um, a platter type plate looking thing about this big around. Okay, and what it was is you connected these pieces. And when you're driving, which I drove to college about an hour and a half, I commuted. Um, and I put, what you did, you connected it. So when you're stopping at McDonald's, you have a plate to sit your McMuffin on. <laughs> That's what it is. I'm not making this up. So I sit my McMuffin, I'm, I'm sitting there on her couch looking at this McMuffin holder and I'm thinking, I'm smiling ear to ear because it's, I'm in front of family or her family. I'm like, wow. I'm thinking she got robbed $500. This is horrible. I'm just smiling ear to ear. And so Meanwhile, I'm, I'm like, how do I pretend I'm really happy? And I'm just, I'm just grinning. And I don't notice her get up because she's laughing. She's like smiling. I don't notice this. She gets up, goes upstairs, and she comes down with this massive box about this high. And she's just like, you really like that? I'm like, yeah, I love it. And she's like, well, here's your real gift. So I, 
I opened this gift and it was a, uh, a djembe, which I don't know if you know what a djembe is. It's an African drum. And for the three months that we were dating, she had heard me say over and over again that I'd love to have a real African djembe, not one of the American made ones, but a real one with like this, the goat skin top. Like she had this thing fly, flown from Mali, Africa. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Mali, Africa. She spent a ton of money on this drum, got the case for it and everything. And I lo- still to this day, I love that drum. You can still feel, I mean, it's worn, but you can still feel the hair of that goat who screamed out in pain for my drum. It's great. I was so thrilled. I didn't get my PlayStation. Not that year. Next year I did. It was great. <laughs> but I was so thrilled that my wife had thought and heard me say, I mean, we're driving everywhere and I'm just beating on the steering wheel like it's a djembe. <laughs> She had realized that that would be something that would mean something to me. And so she got it. But you, you, that moment, though, where I'm opening this thing, and I'm like, this is a waste of $500. Like, plastic McMuffin holder. <laughs> There's a real disappointment that happened that I tried to hide. What Jesus says here in this parable, in this story, is that the people who think they get what righteousness is about, they think they get what life's about, their, their money, their relationships, their, their way of you know, religious justification. In the end, when I manifest myself, when I make everything visible, when everything's revealed, when my kingdom is fully established, they will look at the things that they think they have and it's gone from them. They will, there will be severe disappointment when they think that they had something the whole time and realize it was nothing. It was nothing. That's what Jesus is showing us. That moment of like, wow, I spent my life building this. I thought I had this and it's nothing. Because the whole time I've been right in front of them showing me, showing them who I am and the fruit that can come out of their life when they realize I'm standing right in front of them. It's a big deal. Jesus is not some angry God who just wants to rip things away, but he's showing you that the things you thought you had, the things you thought you built your life on, they were pointless. Because here he is. See, in verse 22, it says that all things will be made manifest. Whether we see him here in front of us now, or he's like that ketchup bottle that we can't seem to figure out, Christ will reveal all things to everybody. He will reveal himself to the ones who have hearts that receive like good ground, or to like Judah and to like the Pharisees, who is right there in front of, but they didn't see or hear, whose hearts were full of pride. Their hearts were hardened. Those things will be revealed because he is the light that reveals things. Whether it's the truth of the good ground that you have or truth of the the rocky ground that you have, he will reveal it. Hearts will be exposed. Pride will be exposed. Self-righteousness will be exposed. Unrepentant sin like Judah will be exposed. But also at the same time, his goodness and his glory and his love will be exposed. This morning, as we, we walk away from this verse, which at first glance can seem really strange, my question is, how do you respond to what's right in front of you? How do you respond to him? Do we walk away unchanged or we say, I get it, and now my life is multiplying? Ten, not just tenfold, not just thirtyfold, sixtyfold, hundredfold. That's what's coming out of our lives. I hope that City Lights Church, we can see him. We can see him in front of us, with our eye, that our eyes have been blessed and our lives are changed through that.